Thank you very much, Charity. You stop and ponder the message of that song in contrast to where we were before we came to Christ, in contrast to what we are outside of Christ. So we think about God's Word tonight, discussing you can't live the Christian life. And tonight we want to touch on what I call complete resources to live in freedom. That is the freedom that we have in Christ. There's no blanks to fill in. If you want to follow on the notes, that's fine. If you want to just take them home later and meditate on them, you can. But as we begin, a couple questions. Can you, and I'm speaking of a believer who has come to faith in Christ, one who, through the conviction of the Spirit, knows that they were dead in transgressions and sins, they were separated from the life of God, they were rebels, and a host of other terms that you could put in the category to define and explain that we are separated from God apart from Christ. So speaking to believers, can you live what we call the Christian life? Looking for the response, by the way. Not in your own power? Through Christ? So yes and no, we can through Christ, and in of ourselves, we cannot. What is the difference between being in Christ and practicing religion? What's the difference between being in Christ and practicing religion? Spirit-empowered versus being motivated by man. Karen? A relationship with Christ. In religion, there's no relationship. Mike? True worship. With the emphasis on true. Any other response? Okay, let's think about some resources that we have in Christ, and let's take our Bibles and turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, again, what we discussed tonight is applicable to those who have come to faith in Christ. As you consider the Gospel of John, you'll find that John begins by presenting Christ, who he is. Very strong emphasis on that. You get to the end of the Gospel of John, there's again an emphasis on Christ and who he is. Between the beginning and the end, we have all this teaching of Christ, works of Christ, emphasizing that who Christ is, is true because of what he does and what he teaches. John 1 begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And the word is speaking of Christ, as you read on in the context, according to verse 14. Let's skip down to verse 10. He, the word, Christ was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, which would have been the Jews. And he was a Jew, but his own did not receive him. They were the ones that crucified him. 
Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Now notice in verse 12, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In light of Scripture, the one who receives Christ, the one who believes in his name, through the Spirit's work, as you look at John 16, he gave the right, God gave the right to become children of God. I can't, but I am a child of God due to being born of God. His work, God's work, Christ's work, the Spirit's work. Do you ever stop to think about what babies do to be born? Babies do nothing to be born, dependent upon mother. By nature, we're separated from God. We're dead in our transgressions and sins. The Spirit of God works, and what happens? We receive Him, we believe, and He gives the right to become children of God. Dead people become children of God. Rebels become children of God. Those separated from God become children of God. I can't, but in Christ, we can live the Christian life. I can, people who say I can in and of myself, do much to seek to measure up. Religions are constantly doing. I've asked dozens of people over the years, when you die, where do you think you'll go? And usually you get the response, well, I hope up there. And then I have a follow-up question. Well, why do you think you might even get to go up there? You get all kinds of answers. Well, I go to church, or I try to be nice to my neighbor, and I haven't hurt people too bad, and so on. Where's the focus? I can measure up. Even we as true believers struggle at times with, i got to perform. You know, I have to pray, I have to read my Bible. But religions are constantly doing. You can ask any religion in the world, someone that belongs to religion, and they will give you an answer, here's what I have to do. Talking to a guy one time, and I knew he was getting close to the end. I say that lightheartedly, but not lightheartedly, Mike. <laughs> you know, end of his life, Mike teases me about getting close to the end, you know, when you die. And I talked to him pretty, when I say forcefully, not unkindly, about eternal things. And he said, where do you think you're going to spend eternity? He said, I don't know. And he thought a little more, and then he said, well, you know, I haven't been too bad in my life. You know, I've lived a decent life. And... But, he, you know, he wasn't, wasn't real positive. I said, you better stop and think about that. 
couple months later, the guy gave me a call. He didn't go on to his eternal destiny. He said, hey, pastor, I have an answer for you now. I thought, I have an answer for me. I said, to what question? Well, you asked me a while back about eternity. He said, I would tell God that because of Christ, that I should go to be with him. He came from I can to I can't. It's of Christ. So applied to freedom, I can rest even when I fail, when I sin, since I'm secure due to being born of God. Christ's payment, Christ's burial, Christ's resurrection, Christ's ascension means that we have a lawyer. My dear children, John says in 1 John chapter 2, I write these things unto you that you will not sin. But if anyone, anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father on our behalf, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. We don't need to worry and fret when we blow it and when we sin. You say, why? Because the perfect sacrifice, Christ's once-for-all sacrifice, took care of sin. And who pleads our case? Christ. I can't prove this happens. I'm not out to prove it happens, but just thinking, you know, from a human perspective. We have Satan coming before God to accuse Travis. And Satan says, God, have you been watching your servant down there on earth, Travis? He had some terrible thoughts towards his wife yesterday, and... He wasn't so happy with a customer when he was still at Motor World, and he'd get angry at his daughters. Christ says, Father, I'm Travis's lawyer. I've already paid the price for those sins. The gavel bangs, case dismissed. Born of God. We're secure due due to being born of God. So that frees us to respond to that type of love. It's not a duty, it's a response to being a child of God. You know, that affects our love for others. We're free to fail, we're free to sin without an incorrect focus upon ourselves. One of the things the enemy will get at us over and over again is, you know, you really sinned. You really blew it. A day later, you really blew it. You know, yesterday, it was really bad. And, you know, you really blew it. And three days later, you know, I'm really a terrible person. And God says, let go of that stuff. You're a child of mine. Christ paid for it. And the response to that is letting go of a focus on ourself. Child of God. Let's go over to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. In the context of Jesus speaking to his disciples when he's get preparing them for when he will no longer be on the earth. John 13 through 17. No, he's... Speaking to them, 
preparing them, saying, you know, I'm not going to be around. And he says in verse 15, or verse 1 of chapter 15, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burn. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The thrust of the passage is that Christ is the vine. The eleven were the branches. We could say that believers today are the branches. The believer is a branch of the true vine Christ. He provides all that we need. A branch can do nothing to produce fruit. The nourishment comes from the soil through the vine. The branch remains in the vine. And fruit is produced. The gardener will prune branches so that they can be more fruitful. I don't know if you ever saw a vineyard before it was pruned. (coughs) Growth all over the place. When the gardener gets done pruning, you think, wow, he got off a tremendous amount of growth. If he didn't do that, After a while, there's no grapes. See, I can't is just remaining in Christ. Christ is the vine, or the vine. We're the branches. We can do nothing to provide for what we need. It's all of Christ. Whereas when people say, I can... The mindset is, I will keep doing to measure up to God's desire. There's a focus on do. There's a focus on activity. Did I do enough? There's a focus on self. Talk to religious people. What do they talk about? They're doing. Their activity. They're trying to get into the vine. Christ says, you're a branch of the vine. So some application to freedom. I'm to abide in Christ, which involves resting, you know, just meditating upon who we are in Christ. I don't have to dwell in sin since God prunes me. Do you ever think about that? Ah, I've got to watch I don't sin today. Why? Isn't God the one that keeps after us? 
He's begun a good work in us, and He's going to keep working in us. So we can live in dependency upon Him. Oh, I've got to avoid this sin today. We can say, God, I, I don't want to sin that way, but I'm going to remain in Christ, and I'm going to dwell on who I am in Christ. And you probably will avoid the sin because you're not focusing on it. You say, I might do something I shouldn't do. I might develop a habit that's really not healthy for me. Well, can't God prune us? Who's responsible for the pruning? Us or God? God is. I am the vine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch, you know, and he prunes and so on. So this week, God did a little pruning on me. I just, Spirit of God, as I read some scripture and some interaction with some people, like, okay, Dan, you know, you need a little pruning here. This, here, this good thing is getting a little too big. That's a God thing. I didn't have to figure that out. He will keep me in dependency as I abide in Christ. So Christ will help me at work today. I was talking to Glenn Neely. He's pastor at Rayburn. And uh, he had some heart or chest pains, and he was in the hospital. And he went home, and then he had some more chest pains, and he went back in the hospital. And, no, he was having some issues going on with his heart. And he said the nurse came in, and he said something to the nurse about, you know, what's going on with my heart? He said, I'm a little concerned. She said, you can relax. Don't worry about your heart. There is someone always watching a monitor about your heart. And if something happens, whether you know it or not, we know about it before you do, and we'll take the necessary measures. So relax. Do you ever think about God in that way? Oh, I've got to avoid this. got to take care of this. got to do the next thing. got to make sure I'm on track here. And God says, Relax. Christ is the vine, you're the branch, I'm the gardener, I'm watching you, I can keep you on track. It's not about you. Relax. It's kind of like the child saying, oh, I've got to make sure I obey mom and dad, I've got to really take care of this. And the parent says, just relax, son, daughter. I'm watching you. If you get out of line, I'll let you know. And when you're in line, I'll encourage you. Relax. Enjoy being my child. Rest in Christ. In Romans 3, 21 through 31, we'll read part of that passage. Another resource that we have in Christ. Romans chapter 3. He has discussed sin quite clearly. And he says in verse 21 of Romans 3, and he's just said that, you know, no one can be declared righteous by observing the law. It's through the law we become conscious of sin. And verse 21 of Romans 3, but now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the repentance that comes by Christ Jesus. God presented Him 
as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. That would be before the cross. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ. Verse 21, a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known. Verse 22, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus Christ to all who believe. I can't. I have a righteousness from God. In justification, I've been declared righteous. I want you to think about this past week, how you lived and responded. And if you can remember, think about some ways that you sinned, you know, incorrect attitude, incorrect thoughts that you had. Got a couple in mind? How does God see you now? Righteous. You say, but what about this past week? Christ took care of that some 2,000 years ago. But don't I have to do something? Now you're into the religious mode. Christ, once for all sacrifice, provided for our justification are being declared righteous. Well, you say, I don't always feel that. Justification is not a feeling. It's a legal standing before God. That's free. Because if you're in the I can mode, I must keep myself in good standing with God. I must try. I must do it right. Maybe I need to pray more. I need to confess more. I need to give more. I need to be kinder to my parents. And we go through the mode of, well, I got to do all this stuff. And God says, no, for the believer in Christ, it's done. It's done. Well, I don't always measure up. Yes, you do, if you're a believer. Oh, you don't understand, I don't always measure up. If you're a believer in Christ, you always measure up. You say, but I don't. Yes, you do. Because your measuring up is dependent upon Christ, not what you do or how you live. That's justification. See, the application to freedom is, I am to enjoy my righteousness in Christ. No, I just desire to be righteous, as God is righteous. And that grace blows me away. I don't know if it blows you away. I desire this righteousness reflected in the music I listen to, my words and just 
I want this righteousness to be evident in my life. No, it's a response. So let's suppose this week you and your husband or wife or you and your kids or you and your parents just get into a big knockdown blowout battle. I mean, it's a big one. Does God see you as any less righteous after that happened than before? No. Because your standing before God is dependent upon Christ. You say, are you sure you know what you're talking about? Well, Paul says this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Isn't that what Scripture says? Verse 28, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. So if we have to do something for justification to be declared righteous, or we have to do something to keep it, then it's dependent upon us. But this justification comes by faith. I don't know about you, but that that is really free. What's the response to that? I want to love and respond to someone that's done that for me. It's kind of like the uh, child. We'll say teenager. Who has disobeyed dad and mom. And dad and mom had told the teenager that if you disobey in certain ways, there's going to be a consequence. And the consequence is that you uh, will lose your car privileges for two weeks. So son violates what he's supposed to be doing and he comes in the door and he knows dad and mom are going to be waiting on him and he knows the boom is going to fall. And dad says, uh, son, as the head of the home, I need to respond to your rebellion and disobedience. We told you beforehand that uh, there's two weeks of no car privileges. We want you to know that we love you. We accept you. You're still our son. We care for you deeply. And to help you learn grace, I, as your father, will forgo my car privileges for two weeks. I will not drive for two weeks. You can. The son says, Dad, I don't understand. I'm choosing, son, to be your substitute as Jesus was my substitute. See, the price was paid. Not by the son, by the father. Think about God. Scripture says, 
He did this to demonstrate his justice. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So that he could be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ. God in his justice says there is a penalty for sin. Death. No questions asked. All kinds of animals died in the Old Testament. But yet, you and I have been justified. We have not died for our sin. Why? Because Jesus did. God is just. There's got to be death. And he was just when Christ died. So he can declare us righteous. He maintained his justice. Because of Christ. And I'm not saying if you told your son there's going to be discipline that you do what I suggested, you know, in my illustration. I shared that to drive home a point. That Christ became our substitute. And we're justified And our justification does not depend upon us. It's dependent upon Christ. Some of you may have heard me share this story before, and I'll give the short version of Mary LaGuardia in New York City. Back in the days of the Depression, he liked to uh, occasionally sit in in the evening, evening court just to maintain some contact with citizens, you know, in New York City. And one evening he was setting in for a magistrate, a judge, you know, that was not able to be there. And some, the police drug in an old man, a poor old man that had stolen a loaf of bread because he was hungry. And Mayor LaGuardia said to the old man, you know, the law is the law. The law must be maintained. We will maintain justice. He said, I fine you $10. The old man did not have $10. Mayor LaGuardia reached into his pocket, took out $10, and he said, go pay your fine. He was just in the justifier. So God says, you're condemned, you're sentenced, you're dead, you're separated. Death. But I'll send my son in your place. And I will declare you righteous. You'll be justified. And that justification is not dependent upon you, but upon Christ. We have a hard time getting that through our head because the sinful nature thinks we have to perform. And Christ says you can't. Only Christ can perform for you. That's freeing. Drives us to respond. And in grace, God will discipline us because he sees things, he'll prune us. He sees things that are not good in our life. But it doesn't change our standing before him. 
think one of the most precious things is if a parent is disciplined, and I'm talking a younger child now, and has corrected the child, and after the correction takes the child in his or her arms and says, I love you, I care for you, in spite of what you did wrong, You're still my son. You're still my daughter. It doesn't change that standing whatsoever. I corrected you because it wasn't good for you. So when you think about the Christian life, we're a child of God. We're branches that God prunes. But it's the vine that provides the resources. And in Christ, we have been justified. I can't live the Christian life in and of myself. It's through Christ. I would encourage you to meditate upon some of the scriptures we discussed, some of the applied to freedom in your life. The saint has so much that the religious person does not have. Let's pray together. Father, what we've discussed tonight kind of blows us away in the sense that uh, we humans by nature have a do mentality. Father, you have the done mentality, that it's been done in Christ. Because of Christ having done it, We can be your children. We become branches of the vine who is Christ. We've been justified or declared righteous. We have a righteousness from you. Thank you for that, Father. And help us to see how that fits into our day-by-day living. That when we go to the job and we may struggle, we may even blow it. That we're still your child. You and grace will keep us on track. And we still have a righteous standard before you. You've begun a work in us. We know that you'll continue it. We're grateful for that. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.